The Lave Radio Project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members and developers. A shining beacon in space, all alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year's space legs came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Ladian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Lave Radio. Commanders, and welcome to episode 353 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Safaya, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder Bar for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, Commander Edelweiss. I'm just playing with the controls, don't worry about me. That's fine. We also have our... Um, Inhuman Resources Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Uh, Unfortunately, Commander um, Psychic can't be with us tonight because she's not feeling too well, so get well soon, uh, Psychic. Um, But in order to replace her, we've we've called in some favours, and we've got three three new people. Well, we've got Commander Yannick. Uh, Are you happy with that one? Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, that's yes, we have our broom broom beep beep specialist, Commander Alec Turner. Broom broom beep beep. Yeah. And of course, we have our head of steam trains <laughs> and all uh, all Isle of Man matters, uh, Commander Mac. Hello. Hello. So we've got you three to replace Psykit by yourself. Don't worry, we won't be forcing you to read any smart. <laughs> Oh, but you can if you want to. Somebody's got to. No, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in game in open at. Um, uh, are we at Lave Station, Ben? No, we are at uh, in Pomesh. Ah, Pomesh, right. Well, I'm uh, currently at uh, Drexel Colony in orbit, about above the in orbit in Pomesh, basically. Cool. And uh, I take it you've got Commander Alec Turner with you? Not at the moment. I don't know. Oh. If, I don't, I, it might be a bit painful for Alec to get to you. Yeah, I'm sadly not. I'm still in the Spirograph Nebula, so it's a, a long way. Oh, that, that is a 
bit far away. Yeah, I can understand that now. Um, if you can't get to us in game, you can join us on the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through liveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat and go to twitch.tv slash liveradio. Uh, if not, then you can also go to YouTube, where we're broadcasting there, or on Facebook Live. Is it Facebook Live or just Facebook? I think it's just put your face in the book. Uh, yeah, it's all these new technical terms. We'll be on Instagram next. We want to see you do TikTok dancing, Colin. TikTok dancing? God, the, the, the horror. The horror that would be unfolded. I have... Oh, no. We'll, we'll leave that alone. Right, so we'll go around the team, see what they've been up to this week. Um, if nobody minds, we'll leave Ben to last, because I'm quite sure he's got a lot to talk about. So, can we start with uh, Shan? Um, I've had quite a mixed week, to be fair. Um, I'm still kind of processing it, really. Um, I heard on, I think it's on Sunday, that um, a commander I, I, I played with and was a member of the Hammers of Slough, um, a commander Boff, had unfortunately passed on sun, on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of t- everyone who sort of knew him and played with him. I think he was, he was a regular on Cal's um, quizzes as well. Oh. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, he passed. Um, in quite tragic circumstances, really. Um, do, you, do you want to get the depressing bit out of the way and line it up, or? Well, yeah, let's get out of the way. Yeah, well, I, know, uh, I know Boff. I know who Boff is, at least. Yeah, well, uh, apparently, um, la- last year he got furloughed uh, from his job, and uh, then partway through the year he got made redundant um, from his job, and. Um, he then underwent depression, which then led to, oh, no. um, well, he didn't commit suicide per se, but basically um, his, he, he died of liver failure um, because of that. So it's sad to say, sad to see another um, COVID, but not COVID victim. But, but anyway, we, we, we're sending best wishes to his family and, and commiserations and all that sort of stuff. And, um, I'm helping, along with Nat's right, arrange a meetup um, with his friends and colleagues and stuff like that um, to remember him, really, and uh, celebrate his life. So, yeah, that was the depressing bit for this week. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, I, could, I, I was actually thinking, Ben, the, um, the talk page did on mental health and stuff like that. You know, I, I think we should put that in the show notes in case anyone is feeling... Particularly if you can add that to our show notes, then I will remember to make it into the show notes. Because if you say it, I will forget. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's been kind of a mixed week, really. Um, But on on a lighter note, I do have to admonish Colin just then for his introduction to uh, Alec and Matt, because it made them sound like they were um, about to burst into the Bits and Bobs song, you know, chugging along, that one. <laughs> no, I, I don't know that one. I'm not that old. Yeah, I, 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 I was I was tempted to do an excerpt from Ivor the Engine. <laughs> I remember that. I thought you were going to say we sounded like Bleep and Booster. Better that than Bill and Ben. <laughs> so you're Ben, uh, who's Bill? Uh, I know one, Bill. Flop a lot. 
Right. Okay. Before we get distracted to, into, before we, we start discussing uh, Bagpuss and everything else, because we know that it'll, it'll eventually lead to, <laughs> because it'll, we all know it'll eventually lead to Thomas the Tank Engine, and then we really are on the tangent train time, tangent line. No, no, to, no, it's Windy Miller. Windy Miller's when it really. What about Jamie and his magic torch? Right. Okay. Yeah, that's that, that's that's oh, oh. that's it. Come on. Actually, come on. Which is the I win button? Okay. Jamie okay. And his magic torch or Ulysses Thirty One? Ulysses. <sighs> Pop quiz. What was the name of the guy who used to at the end of the credits used to turn a handle and the credits used to scroll up? Do you remember him? No. Was it Wendy yes. Miller? Yes. Oh, we're talking yes. About yes. yes. I think again. it was Wendy Miller. Oh my God! Or is that apocryphal? And welcome to Live Radio Old Persons Children Television. <laughs> <sighs> I thought it was Master Bates. Anyway, no, that's an urban myth. All right, that's a myth. Yeah, he was, he <laughs> was never in Captain Pugwash. Although, if you if you look at the character names in um, Magic Roundabout, they were they were remarkably similar to the effects of hallucinogenic mushrooms. You're on about Dylan the Rabbit, aren't you? And the sugar lumps I used to make. Oh yeah, he had a right. He had a. Yeah, I'm sorry. You give a kid, you give a a five year old kid sugar lumps. They end up going that manic. No, don't. (laughs) We've actually got we've actually got nieces and nephews staying with us at the moment, and they're outside. They're going to sleep outside in the tent. And um, uh, just just as a present, I'm going to get them to taste um, sugar free monster the first time before they go to bed okay oh you cruel sod are you going to give them a drum as well <laughs> well we, we should we should be sleeping upstairs and the uh, and uh, and my um and and my brother-in-law and his wife are going to be sleeping downstairs so we'll be you out of the like way brother, you? you don't so, like your family so i think giving them a drum and uh red bull will be Will be great fun. I was sleeping outside in the tent, so I can, uh, I, I can probably get the Tesla to play ghost sounds at the moment, like one o'clock in the morning or something like that to really get them going. Right. Well, moving on from child endangerment, <laughs> Commander Alec Turner, what have you been up to for the last week or so? Hmm, what have I been doing? Um, last weekend, I went to the Brooklyn's Museum, which is um, a fabulous day out for anyone that's into their motoring or aeroplanes. It's got. Um, it, it's famous for having one of these big banked tracks that they used to set a lot of speed records. And is that the what? Is that the one James made? He's a railroad. He's railway yes. track around or scale. Oh yes, could well be. Yep, it they, was. Yeah, they have a Concorde and lots of old aeroplanes that you can go around, and they've got extraordinary things like um, vacuum chambers that they used to do testing in. And yeah, it's a really good day out. Actually, strongly recommend it. They had a classic car show, which was um, a nice day out. Um, it isn't part of a housing estate now. <laughs> yes, it's very strange. Because, yeah. you, yeah, it's very strange because you can. Um, they have a sort of vintage bus shed as well, so you can you can get on a vintage bus, which, <laughs> ironically for me, isn't that vintage. It, it's what I remember going up and down Oxford Street in. So it doesn't seem like it's a bit weird that it's now considered history. But you, you then shout out the wheels on the bus go round and round. Exactly, yeah. But they drive around the town in this bus and um, you can see, you catch odd glimpses of this banked track. Um, so there's a bit of it behind the Sainsbury's and there's a, another bit of it that goes round the back of the library. And So yeah, it's very odd. But it's a good place. Um, Excellent. 
Yes, and in game, I've been yeah, I've headed out to the Spirograph Nebula because um, I've got a bit bored of looking at planets that make me sad, and I wanted to see something that was beautiful. And the Spirograph Nebula, I can confirm, is still stunning. And what I'm going to do, it's got a lot of a lot of landable planets, and I'm going to during next week do a bit of a survey and just try and get an overall impression of what a an a, an average system full of lots of landable planets is like try not to bring too many prejudices to that you've actually sort of reminded me actually i actually did play some odyssey this week and yeah. um yeah i've actually even got a good thing to say about the new ui so there we go um I, that's a shocker well i made a way over to rubigo because apparently that's the in thing to make money these days so i took one of my other commanders over there to make some credits and um you do passenger missions between rubigo and sophis and whatnot but i, I but i when you take the mission there's now a button that says auto fill when you take a passenger mission and it will fill up all the available passenger slots with your passengers so you haven't got to play passenger jenga with missions anymore you can just click auto fill and it'll just do automatically so it's a it's a brilliant addition so that's that's really good quality of life i didn't know about click on auto fill and passenger missions hang on Sean, does that go off and like so it accepts like all the passenger missions and then if there's one for three people it'll take that three person passenger mission for to fill up your last three slots yes wow with, that is impressive well you, you have you, you have to click on them you have to click on the mission but so you click right. on the mission and then you click auto fill and if it will fit the passengers in, you can accept it and away you go. And if okay. it can't, and if it can't fit them in, the mission would just be greyed out. But I think about passenger missions. I used to be all fed, fed up because you could never fill all the passenger slots up without juggling around or counting number of passengers. But this, you just click and put auto fill, and away you go. Okay, yeah. that's kind of cool. Very cool. Um, Mac, how have you been? Well, I've been, uh, along with uh, Commander Yannick, I've been doing the Apollo 15 expedition, which ended on Saturday. Uh, and I've been doing it, I've been doing the actual traveling in Odyssey and meetups in Horizons. Um, and it's been quite interesting to see the differences doing it that way but i've actually enjoyed the traveling in in odyssey i've found i found some quite nice sites to explore on srv and on foot um i found one place that really reminded me of the the utah salt flats um sort of a big flat sort of uh, you know sort of you know how clay goes when it dries out and it cracks, but it was, this is yeah. white, so it, it looked like a salt flat and with mountains in the distance. And I got quite a nice picture of my... Because I, I, I did this mission in... Because it was only about 20,000 light years, you know, there was no need for a super-optimized um, ship to do it in exploration ships. So I did it in my courier. Uh, cool. and, it looked, and it looked really good seeing the courier. You know, a picture of... Uh, me standing in the foreground and the courier in the background and the mountains and the the the, the kind of 
in quotes salt flats and and to help that it actually was one it, the atmosphere was actually a blue sky on this one so it did it did look quite it was it was a pretty nice find i thought and i found some other nice nice places to wander around i tried a bit of mountain climbing um which was which is good fun on foot and there's there's various techniques you can apply to try and go a little bit further than you can jump or your jetpack can carry carry you so had a bit of fun with that um yeah and so yeah is it, to, yes. is it possible to squish yourself with a jetpack so if you go up too high and then you run out of fuel or whatever it is will they fall squish it, nev- you? It, it never happened to me it's possible but i didn't really want to risk it on an expedition where i might sort of lose all my data oh that reminds me i haven't i haven't actually sold because I did, I found some plants and stuff, and I haven't actually gotten around to selling the. Because I forgot it was a thing, but I've got some, I've got some biological exobiology data to sell, I guess. So, yes, that's um, a that's a um, that's a public service announcement, isn't it? If you die, if your SRB blows up or you die on foot, you lose all your exo data and your codex data. It's yeah. not. It's not saved. So, yeah. so I was being. That. I was being careful to not die. Um, the the trouble is, is in the past when I take my courier on expeditions, I've usually ended up crashing at some point because the the temptation to switch flight assist off and then boost and fly at incredibly high speeds. Oh, we're talking about incredibly high speeds. We did, at the start of the expedition, we did a little experiment. Um, and here were the force cannons, I think they're called. If you fire them at a landed ship, the landed ship kind of stores the momentum and sits there sort of pregnant and bursting with energy. And then you fly another ship and you just touch, You just all you do is you just touch the ship that been, had the force cannons fired at it. And then you'll fly off at incredible velocities. I got a beluga liner up to 1,800 metres a second. That sounds a great thing to troll people with. Were people doing that in uh, DW2 as well? I'm sure uh, I know yes. it's been a thing for um, a while. And yes, and also the Burr Pit found it highly amusing to throw me into orbit in my SRV using the technique. <laughs> yeah, we never got an SRV into orbit, but we practically, I almost got this balloon. The funny thing is, I was flying back after being flung an incredible distance. Um, I was um, I was flying back to our landing site, and all of a sudden the ship just stopped in midair, landed. I thought this is weird. This was on Pomesh actually. This was all we did all this on Pomesh 2C. Uh, and, and so my beluga stopped. And I thought, what happens if I launch my SRV? So I launched my SRV, which fell out the bottom and fell through the surface of the planet, went through the core and out the other end. You could see the G meter going down as it should do as you approach the core. And I sort of went through the, the middle of the planet. And I think if the trouble is it would take too long and we're going to orbit to do a mass jump. But I think if I'd left it, I'd have probably come out the surface the other side and I'd just oscillated back and forward forever. It was it was very bizarre, Buck. <laughs> can I introduce a, a, a quiz for the dear listeners and streamers? Because there's something you, I think one of you two posted in Discord which got me fascinated, is I've seen screenshots of people putting the Guardian footballs and Thargoid probes inside the concourse. 
of, of spaces. So the question is, how do you think you could get a, a thyroid probe or a Guardian football inside of a concourse? Should I should get the answer at the end of the show? Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. answers, suggestions in the chat room, and we'll get Alec to spill the beans at the end of the show. I think, I think that, that's fair enough. Apparently I was close, but not close enough. Was this one of these kind of guess how many teddy bears there are in this container type of quiz? Nope. You, put te- you put teddy bears in the container. <laughs> well, you do, well you're done. Expose them to a vacuum. Well done, that man. <laughs> we should have a teddy bear in a jam jar we kept on the shelf with a lid shut. Anyway. Oh, um, don't have air holes. No, of course not. Right, I, I, I think I think if you don't mind, we'll move on from from old toys to Commander Yannick. Um, I, I hope that there's no association between old toys and Commander Yannick. But how have you been for the last week? <laughs> I'm pretty good, thanks. As um, I just start with the real life bit first. I actually became a Twitch affiliate this week, which I'm quite happy about. So you know, a little bit of an achievement there. But oh, nice. the, you know, as Max says, of the back of Apollo sort of 15, yeah, that ended recently. And, um, yeah, as Mag was saying, it is, it's a wonderful experience, it really was. I mean, you, you had uh, this huge range of people from, like, people who'd never explored before, barely explored, virtual beginners, to be fair, and people like some of the grizzled veterans, like, who again, even before I was, like, a Kickstarter sort of era elite here, and bringing them all together. And in the same sort of exhibition, had a little bit of a sort of micro-distant worlds feel to it. I'm not saying that to big myself up or anything, or Mac Winston, for that matter, but just people few people said that to us like it was a bit of that distant world's magic again and that's about yeah. like one of the best compliments anyone's ever paid any of us because mac was actually like one of the staff for the expedition as well so yeah it was it was a, it's very hard to summarize it but yeah, he's done a pretty good introduction to be fair <laughs> oh excellent um right let's have a quick going over what i've done this uh this week um basically obviously the colin for colonia thing is still happening um i managed to get another five ten systems closer to colonia with a whole load of of uh biological data scanned which i was quite happy about um i actually went back to power play with my epic commander and found that my faction has dropped to fourth from first in a month so uh, basically I've, I've i've started working for the emperor again so uh just to give her the, the support she needs, and, and that drove me mad. And of course, I've been joining in with uh, a couple of the on-foot missions now that Update 6 was out, uh, which we'll, we'll touch on later. So I've, I've had a pretty packed elite week, really. Um, right, I think we should move on to Ben, who's had something special happen to him this week. It's not, nothing special special, but... On Thursday, I wound up accidentally basically being part of the Frontier stream, which I think is what you're getting at, Colin. Mm. Um, I would know you haven't mentioned it. Oh, I I only managed to save Arf's life in the most epic rescue ever. Um, Did you? I I think it was... This this is the first I'm hearing about it. Is it? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, I'm not the kind of commander who shows up to do a multiplayer mission in a ship that only has one seat, unlike his his co-pilot who was meant to be doing things with him. <laughs> yes. Um, 
But yeah, so I did that and it was that was pretty epic. And I, you know, I swooped in. I only had twenty percent of my hull, but we made it and we got him out alive. I was so tempted to crash into the planet on the way out, or even more when we were going in to just finish everything off. But I was like, no, I'll behave myself. It was so tempting. Uh, but I think actually of of more import mm-hmm. with the new camera suite. I found out why the barman doesn't serve drinks. For oh. anybody looking on stream, you look behind the bar, and there's smeg all there. You know, for anyone who's ever worked behind a bar, that area is usually full of glasses and alcohol and everything like that. I've just noticed that barman looks like Michael Garibaldi from Babylon 5. Well, that could be part of the problem as well. Yeah, you, yeah, that's the barman there. He doesn't look a bit like Michael Carroll. No, no, the guy, the guy, the guy you just tilt round to the left. Oh, him. That guy, yeah, him. No, not him. The one propping up the bar. No. <laughs> oh, did that? Well, ooh, no, 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 not him. I um, I think Sean's needing stronger glasses. Yeah, um, uh, and I was looking inside these containers, and you know that's just that's just blue and purple cellophane. So yeah, no wonder they don't serve any drinks. They haven't got any. Well, they haven't got any glasses to serve drinks because I'm assuming. Got, yeah, and they have replicators. Well, this isn't Star Trek. Yeah, but we can still replicate stuff, can't we? Using syn- synthesis. Can we? Yeah. yeah and, and the, <laughs> do you think we managed to repair our SRVs? Yeah, but that's 3D printing kind of thing. Or, or, than, you know, well, how, well how do you think you make um, oxygen? How do you think you make air then out of the uh, material? Or something like that? You know, it's a chemical reaction. You cannot make oxygen out of the ingredients to boost the life support because oxygen is an element. Yeah, but we can make oxygen to, in today's with today's uh, things, and we can make we can make missiles and stuff as well, and premium ammo and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I, yeah it's, I don't think it's energy to matter to energy stuff or energy to matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't have nanotechnology in this in this um, in this universe yet, do we? Yeah, do we? There might, there might be nanotech, but I don't think there's. Yeah, energy to matter conversion. No, no creation engines. Um, but I mean, I'm sure you know people could go off and make von Neumann machines and things if they if they so desired. And we know AI was a thing. Well, here's a question then: If there's no drinks, if there's no drinks behind the barman, why is there even a barman and a bar there? Well, that is a very good question. I think that is an excellent question. It's a conspiracy. Yeah, oh, it's a conspiracy they, now. Yeah, all they do is serve illegal goods. The front for the dark wheel. Yeah, all the neo marlinists one or the other. Yeah, just imagine if you've been supplying the materials that have been used to actually blow people up. Oh, dear. Yep. Doesn't sound good. Uh, right. I'm being serious. I have to admit, I've been loving this new camera engine. Oh, hang on, Ben. Yeah. Sorry. If you look up, there's, there are taps, like a bit. Yes, there are beer taps, yes. Yeah. And I, I thought that's what, where the, the the drinks came from, is from these taps. Well, it goes into a thing there, but where does it go? Where does it go? 
One says Coke, one says Budweiser, <laughs> yeah, and, and the other one says gin. <laughs> it's a very limited stock, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, you, you, you sort of, okay, fine, it goes into that arm and then goes down there and then it enters the worktop. You know, unless you, you're thinking that this environment caution is where all the alcohol comes out of. Well, it does say caution. It does say caution. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I am pretty certain this is a dry bar. Yes. <laughs> it's certainly dry for everybody except uh, the commanders, isn't it? Actually, if you think about it, someone at Frontier has thought, oh, look, I need to write EV caution on the plate underneath the bar just in case those crazy lot from Rave Radio happen to be spinning around looking at our bar. Didn't someone discover something on the back of the Sidewinder by doing exactly that? They found something uh, hidden in the back of the Sidewinder that you just didn't expect people to, f- to find, and it was in a lot of detail. Well, I know in VR, there's the old, there's the cover of the old um, Elite Manual yeah. um, on the seat. Oh, right, is there? Right, well. Yeah. Am I right thinking you can't move the camera around inside your ship like this, though? It's still fairly fixed. Yeah, like, you, you have to, you can do it in VR. If you've got long enough yeah. cable to your headset, yeah. you can kind of walk. You can walk. Yeah. The other thing I did with VR once was in Horizons in Hollow Me, I basically manoeuvred myself and recentered so I could like stand face to face. And I discovered my Hollow Me character is exactly the same height as me. Lovely. I was looking into my eyes. <laughs> You're looking into your dead <laughs> pixelated eyes. My dead, my dead pixelated eyes. It was, it was, it was, it was uncanny valley. I tell you. <laughs> were, were they looking back? Yes, they followed me around a bit like a bit like um, oh, Zamina like, Torvald's um, oh, oh. eyes. Yeah, you know, Zamina Torvald posters in the space stations. You know, her eyes follow you as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we'll move. We'll move away from that. So Ben did an epic rescue. Was there anything else you did? Uh, I've been playing some, doing some frontline and things like that. Uh, so I've been just, I've been playing uh, this. I've been playing uh, Star Citizen, and I did a touch in No Man's Sky and various other things. Uh, and then this week is my anniversary, but I'm not saying what I'm doing because. Yeah, I haven't even told the wife what I'm doing yet, so... Can't we make up our anniversary ideas for you? You can have some in your own head, Canon Chan, and you can keep them there. <laughs> right. Um, obviously, with uh, you Rand Pamesh, uh, that's going to be today's yeah. uh, in-game yeah. activity. Matt have shown up as well, by the way. Oh, cool. So, basically, we've got a gang of three running around the station. I would join you, but judging by last week's performance, having the game running and doing the show at the same time, my internet doesn't like it. <laughs> ah, I think we can assume that, Ching. He says, hopefully she's at least involved in, the anniver- in Ben's anniversary plans. Yes, she is involved in my anniversary plans. Right. Right, well, let's... Um go through what has happened this week. Well, it's actually been quite um, an eventful week. Uh, we had the camera site improvements come out on Wednesday, thanks to Sally. And then on Thursday, um, 
update six dropped, which um, it, it happened late in the afternoon, which uh, meant that we kind of missed the, uh, there was first the, the server tick and then update six came out. Uh, yes, and to say update six was a small patch is a bit of an understatement. It seemed to be massive. Uh, just quickly, guys, uh, just quickly go around. Uh, was there any highlights in that one that uh, jumped out at you? You mean I'm other than the magic uh, AMD tech? Uh, well, yeah, I was going to come on to the AMD tech, but uh, we'll sort out the AMD tech later. Um, it had lots of comments from Sally in the... Um, I love that, actually. That make, yeah, that did make me laugh. Fair enough. I haven't had any crash to desktops. I, That's I, had, all. An yeah, I had an interesting one because uh, I was just running from my hangar to my to here, actually, just tonight, and I had a crash to desktop. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. it was quite interesting, that. Um, so some of the things that have been included, uh, we've obviously got planets, visuals have, were improved, uh, outfittings, options, uh we had obviously the camera suit, camera suite workout, the EMD stuff. Enforcer troops with rockets have been added, and they use the standard rocket launcher, not any special uh, rocket launcher. Uh, a fix has been implemented to fix the invisible rockets. Excuse me, uh, sorry, to fix the invisible rocks. Hooray! Which, yes, that that is a godsend for me. Uh, ship ammo and heat. Sync stock is no longer replenished automatically when entering Super Cruise. Bracket. Sorry. <laughs> and fixed material donations for the science contact, uh, for which was involved in the CG. Um, obviously, updated the crash type nine at Highford's uh, cache in Colonia with a scannable data point. Now, somebody said something about this. Highford's cash, but um, I guess no one else knows about it. I mean, if someone's out there in, Col in Colonia and told us what what's been happening with this this uh, scannable data point, I'd like to hear. Uh, and finally, Elite Dangerous should now exit cleanly without the black screen hang. Great. So that's yeah, I was getting that a little time, but yeah, I did see somebody saying they they still had it once, but so, mm. um, so maybe a ninety five percent fix on that one. Yes, uh, the one thing that got that I was looking forward to for the missions was that the point of interest missions, the the scavenging missions, uh, they were supposed to be back in. Well, the points of interest were, but unfortunately, the missions were still broken. Grr. And then on top of that, uh, yes, so update six came this week, uh, last Thursday. Uh, obviously, on Thursday, there was the most epic rescue stream. Is, is that what we're going to call it now, Ben? Oh, if you, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, you, you want us to, don't you? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not fast. <laughs> um, on Friday, they actually came up with... Um, I must have missed this one, but there was an update about uh, Elite Dangerous Crime, fines, bounties, and notoriety. Uh, now, I haven't, like I said, I haven't catched, caught this one. What 
Has anybody else? Uh, can anyone else fill me in on it? Um, I don't do crimes in elite, so no. Uh, right. Let's see. I think it's a it's a clarification. Uh, with this in mind, I'd like to release this post to share a more targeted info on how crime works and elite da- how crime works as elite dangerous currently stands. Uh, there are those who are potentially new to the game, or are used to open up additional f- space for further thoughts for discussions for veterans. All right, fair enough. Uh, fines. Um, fines are usually assigned for smuggling, carrying around illegal firearms, loitering at space stations, and other smaller offences. They are paid off at space stations. Yep, okay, we know that. Uh, and you get anonymous docking. Bounties, however, go on, Chad. No, I don't think it's a change. I think it's a clarification. It is a clarification. But I'm sure that they actually said that uh, people have been reporting that notoriety has changed for some missions on foot. They were doing... Um, uh, raid missions or massacre missions and uh, they were discovering that they had notoriety when they'd finished their mission even though the mission wasn't deemed illegal anybody else heard about that yeah and i mean basically from what sally was saying if you're going off and killing people you are you know you're killing people yes uh but obviously but killing a person on foot kill, killing a person is not quite as serious as killing a person in a spaceship or something like that because right. ships are obviously so, more valuable than people well they are in the culture right fair enough then so this seems to be a um uh, a clarification on the the fines bounties and, and notoriety um because <laughs> i thought I mean, maybe it's just a grey area. I thought if you were paid to, say, right, raid a base and the people there were all wanted, you didn't end up with any notoriety. I thought if they're wanted, that should be okay because that's counted as bounty hunting. Yeah. But I can imagine if I go around killing a bunch of people on on a base on foot, then, yeah, I'm being naughty. Yeah. Um, I did see uh, Plato today do a, uh, an assassin assassination mission or a, a point of interest assassination mission. I didn't even know those were in. So, you know, that's, that's another thing for me to try. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, obviously, on Tuesday, uh, we had update 6.1, which uh, they went into a great deal of detail about um, the SFSR stats that uh, you can use to, to help boost your frame rate. Um, this is only if you're using resolutions above 1080p, isn't it? I, I think, it, I mean, you can, it makes, it could make a 720p resolution look like a 1080, or you could be rendering 720p and mm-hmm. get 1080. Um, or... Hmm. Various I, other things like that. Sorry, I'm just trying to take off as well. Yeah. I, th- I think um, the deal is that the more, basically the more pixels you have, the better it works. And so I'm hearing yeah. good things about people that have kind of got 4K and are, you know, rendering the game at less than that and upscaling to 4K. But um, I think if you're down at the 1080 end of, of resolution, then it, it it doesn't work that well. It, yeah, it doesn't boost your performance as much as as. Uh, it, yeah. For the for the upper resolutions, if you see what I mean. So is that discrimination with people who have got 1080? <laughs> no, it's, it's maths. 
So, you know, so are, are they saying that people with 4K monitors are like the worthy people for getting good performance? No, it's still called maths. Hush, I'm trying to mess around. But actually, it gives us, gives us a good, good reason to say if you buy a 4K monitor for Elite, you get better performance. We offered that as a top tip. We offered that as a top tip last week, and people thought we were joking. <laughs> yes. So um, um, maybe it's time for me to upgrade my monitor. Mind you, I'd have to, I've got to upgrade everything. I'm, I'm now in a machine that's so far behind the times now. Well, not uh, anymore, because you've got this new AMD Wizzy tech. Well, no, but I haven't got a 4K monitor. So <laughs> that's not going to help, is it? Get the 4K monitor, then use the AMD Wizzy tech. But I don't have a 4K monitor, that's what I was saying. Anyway, I mean, the performance I'm getting at the moment is actually quite adequate, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say actually, did anyone play with the AMD stuff and, and have anything to report? Um, I didn't because obviously there's no reason to. Uh, because uh, yeah, you know it turned on automatically. Is it? Yeah. I'm afraid well, it's grayed out for me. It's not an option. Yeah, I've got it grayed oh, out. Okay. Right for me, when I went in, I was like, yeah, that was turned on, and I was also, my my things were set straight to performance mode. Which I quickly went off and changed it to. No, I want to actually see something, please. <laughs> yes. I, I, I had to specifically and... enable it. I, I think, think I did too. Because yeah, basically, you know, performance mode for me was instead of rendering it at 4K, was rendering rendering it at maybe 1080p or maybe 1440p, and then upscaling from there. Um, and I mean, it looks okay, but then I went off and you know basically. I, I've I've changed it to ultra ultra instead, and I'm getting yeah I've been getting very very nice frame rate since. Mm, yeah, I mean, your you, your frame rate seems to work very well at, at ultra, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I believe it's TD Land did a video where he tested out the FSR stats and mm. to see what effect it had on it. Yes, I must admit, when looking at some of Ant's screenshots that he did, is this certainly some of the same planets I've been to? Uh, they they look a heck of a lot better than what I'm seeing, and he's got a lot better frame rate. But then again, what do you expect? Because his graphics cards a lot better than mine. <laughs> so, but yeah, it really—I mean, to my eyes, it looks really nice. But uh, yeah. Okay. Well, moving on from there. I mean, obviously. In this update that came today, they said they fixed the POI uh, form uh, mission, but unfortunately, it does seem that not all goods can be handed in. So that one's still semi-broken. Well, for some some items, uh, but you know, it's it's nice that they were able to turn around another patch so quickly. Should they have waited until it's fixed properly, or were they right for half a fix out? Um, I think they didn't. They've got it working for one sort of um, group. I wonder whether or not they missed the the test yeah. for the other sort of group. I think they missed. Why is the fix in there in the first place if it wasn't test? Anything? Because they thought they did fixed it, and then it turns out they hadn't. I think this is Shan trying to get a rise. <laughs> There's, there's, if if you're if you're a developer, you'll know the common refrain: "It works on my machine." 
Yes, uh, we know that. We know that phrase very well. Yeah. Um, right. So overall, let's see what everybody's reaction is to to update six. Um, ben, uh, what's your impression of it? I, I've just hold on. I've just observed that Ed, Ed Levice is is uh, targeted Chris Roberts and in Chris space. Chris Roberts is trying to interdict Miggles. <laughs> Chris Roberts. Chris Roberts is Chris Roberts is trying to interdict Miggles. Not yeah. Commander um, Chris Roberts, just a Chris Roberts. A Chris Roberts. NPC Chris Roberts. Ah, right, got you. <laughs> um, it would be Derek Smart next. God. <laughs> no, Derek, no, no, stop it, stop it. We do not mention his name three times in a row. You know what happens. Who's next? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. I've obviously I've not had a chance to play 6.01 until this evening, um, mm -hmm. and my first experience of it was it crashing on me. But yeah, it's not the best. It's been nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, since since then it seems to be nice and you know fairly stable, which is always good. Okay. Um, Shan, have you had a chance to muck about with update six yet? Um. I have. I mean, for me personally, it still doesn't fix the elephant in the room, but it's getting a slightly smaller elephant. Incidentally, I just started the game up, and my uh, FSR is on by default, and I haven't changed anything on it. So AMD FSR is on on my machine by default. Right. Well, I'll have to check mine to see whether so, or not that it, came it, in. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. It was good. It was good they fixed some things, but then I never really had performance issues. It was more everything else <laughs> yeah uh well we'll come on to that at another po point or another show as usual right um alex have you had a yeah i have not today's but i've been playing update six for a week um mm -hmm. yeah, it's a good list actually i mean the, the, there's all sorts of little things that were quite nice um little quality of life fixes you know there's that thing where the um the bio scan planet overlay the sort of blue overlay um now yeah. stays stays i think it's right till the end of glide yes which which is just enough to to let you sort of pick a, a good landing spot i always used to find that it sort of disappeared just as you were deciding where to land <laughs> whereas now it kind of it just stays long enough that you can you can make a better decision and they've just I, sort of refined it a bit as well so when you toggle your um your sort of hud mode in and yes. out of, of it, it, there's a nice fade you know it's they yeah, I was, I was just about to mention that. I mean, it was one of the things that I noticed on uh, when I was doing that um, earlier in the week. That you know, when you when you're lining up, you sometimes uh, toggle the the uh, the exploration to combat mode so that you can kind of gauge where you're going to go. Yeah, and I think uh, also. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think also I got a few. I I, I think I did get a few extra frames per second. I, th I think it's been true of the last sort of two or three updates i think it's been creeping up mm. um yeah and you know it, almost to the point where you think oh, it hasn't made any difference at all but I, I definitely used to be down in the sort of 25 to 30 frames a second down on planets when there was a lot going on and i'm now consistently 45 so actually you know over, over the last few patches it's it's definitely crept up and up which is encouraging yeah has yeah. the consistency of frame rate improved Yes, I would. I would say so. Yes. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and, and I, I haven't hit any invisible rocks, which is always good. Yes, actually, have you noticed that there actually seems to be a lot more rocks than before? 
I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. Been, I've been jumping around lots of different planets, so I haven't mm. really checked. Yeah. I mean, well, I've noticed the. I've noticed a lot of rocks which I've been able to avoid, so I'm I'm quite happy. Um, Mac, have you had a chance to look? Yeah, I well, as I've been, I've been playing the update six while exploring on Apollo fifteen, and it's worked for me. Yeah, the the, the frame. I mean, I've got an old graphics card. I've got a GTX nine eighty, but it's less stuttery um, and more smooth. You know, when the frame rate's low, it's not like forty five a bit. Then it's twelve frames for a second for about a quarter of a second, and up to about you know, it is actually a bit more consistent, which is makes yeah. for a lot more pleasant experience. It's not quite to the stage where I can put the VR headset back on. I mean, that's fine. It's fine in space. I can put VR on in space. There's, there's yeah. no problem there. But when and and in fact, actually dropping down through Atmo in VR is absolutely breathtaking. You turn turn off orbit lines so you don't get the yellow exclusion zone line and just sort of fly in. You can look around, look around. You go 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 down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I've I've had to basically go to flat screen, but. Uh, I'm not sure how when that's going to change because, I mean, to be fair, the 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 local the local terrain is a lot more detailed than it used to be. So yeah, there's more different textures and things. So it's putting more. It's it's one thing to put. Yeah, it's bigger demand on my graphics card's memory, and it doesn't have a lot to start with. Um, and eventually, the price of graphics cards will come down because I'm I'm well overdue an upgrade now. Um, <laughs> Because I yes. think I bought I bought the GTX 980 around about the launch of 1.0, so wow. um, I've had it for a while. Mm. No, I mean um, I basically I... got David Braben set up GTX 980, but my motherboard's <laughs> new because my old motherboard died just before Christmas, so I've actually got a a um, AMD Ryzen 9 with 32 threads. Um, but yeah, the graphics card's kind of all old. Right, I see. Uh, right, Commander Yannick, um, what's your impressions of Update 6 then? I must admit, I've only played it a little bit since it came out. I played uh, Odyssey quite a lot just before the launch of the expedition and stuff. I did a lot of scouting for it, so that's my kind of comparison. I think I'm the minority. Compared to most people, it's actually kind of gone backwards for me. The frame rate has actually gotten worse, and the stuttering is generally quite... It's getting like less than 10 frames a second on a regular basis. Wow. The way the graphics are doing on this, I think it might be because my machine is kind of similar vintage to Max, but exactly, obviously, you know, I probably have a different processor and what have you. But yeah, is uh, that was unexpected to me because everyone was saying that you know it's definitely frame rate improvement. But yeah, it, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to try it again. Obviously, once the uh, the new update uh, is actually downloaded, which is trying to download at the moment. But <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, it's not looking so good for me, I'm afraid, because obviously I'm I'm trying to like still evaluate different terrains and stuff, and it's kind of frustrating because it's very hard to do that with such a low frame rate. Mm, yeah, uh, well, I'm going to disappoint you here because um, update six has yet again improved my frame rate. So I'm now where the original update on brown planets I was just barely above thirty. I'm now at a very reasonable forty to to fifty. Um, it does slow down, I think, below um, 25 frames when I'm around a very complex outpost, but that's about it. Um, and I'm 
not getting the uh, the frame drops that we were having before, where you'd be approaching a station and then all of a sudden, for no reason, the frame rate would just drop to 9 or 10 and then just pick up again. I mean, I think the consistency has improved. Uh, is that the, the kind of issue that you were having to deal with, um, Shan? No, I've, my performance has been absolutely fine throughout everything. So I, I'm not... Um... I'm not affected, but I have been. I have seen people say, "Well, yeah, it's okay. It, it's really good," and then all of a sudden it will just stutter, and then you get a frame rate drop, and it's, so it's not a smooth experience because the min and max frame rates are so different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the the thing is, it, one of these it it happens that irregularly. I'm not that bothered about it, but you, you can understand that. People who have spent that much money on a three, three seventy, and they're getting that issue, they're bound to be a bit annoyed. I know I've mentioned this to Mac before in the past, so I didn't want to cut across anyone. But in some ways, like this, isn't really a DLC. It's almost like a new game, really, because it's still like the Elite franchise, but kind of moved on. It kind of makes sense from a coding and from a gameplay perspective if you think about it like that. Because think about all these technical problems. They've recoded large segments of the game. I mean, it depends how you want to play it, but I know I'm not the only one who sort of thought this, but it does make a lot of sense if you think about it that way. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that, um, I think everybody, I, I, if anybody disagrees with me, just stop me. But um, I do feel at the moment the on-foot side of things and the uh, and the space flight things, it, it is like two games bolted together, but never the twain shall meet. That's why I've been so disappointed about the point of interest missions failing, because that's one of the places where there is significant overlap. It feels part of the same game. Um yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that, Colin. They, yeah, they are. I mean, that's part of the issue. I think that some people, including myself, have is the uh, they use the same data, mm -hmm. but the they're, they're kind of like velcroed together rather than knitted together. Yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons why I'm hoping that the. Uh, the few, one of the future bullet points that they put in the dev update was that they were going to integrate the missions so that they feel more joined up because, you know, they're going to write missions which utilize, utilize both the cockpit and the, the young foot part of the games. I, I think that's one of the things this, that it really needs. Sure. But anyway... Um, I think we'll, we'll move on to what the in-game events which have been happening this week. Well, we've actually had quite an interesting week in the storyline. Um, obviously, last Thursday, uh, the NMLA have actually attacked their own Marlinist spaceports because apparently they're all they consider them now to be traitors to the cause. So, for, uh, those of you who want to do a bit of station rescuing, the, um, the there are systems burning right now, mostly um, uh, in Stillman Hub in HIP 22550 and uh, Tillman Point in Hades Sector R0-P B6-6. They urgently require ships to evacuate people trapped on those starports. There was a bug uh, saying that one of the rescue ships was missing. It was actually inside a planet. They have moved it to the right place now. Um, Chad? Um, I was just wondering, could this not be a false flag operation? Um, well, this is the thing, because, well, has anybody actually claimed they, um, 
I'm just looking through the the, the stuff here. Uh, yeah, it, there doesn't seem to be people claiming responsibility for it. Um, even the NMLA propaganda channels saying, why would we kill their own people? So I reckon it's false flag. I reckon they're doing what the Nazis did in World War Two and dressed soldiers up as Polish soldiers and got them to invade Germany to trigger trouble. Um, I'm a little bit confused about that one because that analogy doesn't work because some Marlinists have just bombed their own systems because they... Actually, no, I've got this wrong. The following message was broadcast via the NMLA propaganda channel. Why are they bombing their own homes? Why would Theta 7 kill its own people? Because they're not our homes, they're not our people. These are prisons, not colonies, where traitors to the cause beg for scraps from those who exile them. True Marlinists would never stop fighting until the Republic of Akinar is restored. So that's a f from the official NMLA propaganda wing. So it doesn't seem like a false flag to me. But Unless that's what they want you to think. <laughs> and Shan's handing out the tinfoil hats again. Um, also, the Far God Megaship uh, cult has actually concluded they managed to get enough resources together for three megaships. Uh, so, and two of which will soon embark on a holy pilgrimage with thousands of faithful worshippers into the void to commune with the Far God. So basically, that's plus lots of uh, free lunches for the Thargoids, isn't it? So, do you think a mega ship is more expensive than a carrier? Um, probably. Just slightly, I would have thought. They have to be within the same kind of range. I mean, they're roughly. In fact, I think carriers are better than mega ships. They have a lot better landing pads. I mean, whenever you've done those rescues and you're doing it in a large ship, there's always some bugger who's sitting on the only <laughs> large pad hogging it. Yeah. Um, on the 30th of July, um, the new, oh, here we go, Kuwemba Labour, which controls five systems, has now triggered a second wave of successions by severing ties with the Federation. Again, they're using the same thing about um, leaving the Federation because of the uh, surveillance system that they've implemented. Uh, the Federation, however, are not happy about this, and we can expect a response quite soon. Um, obviously, in the second... Uh, I don't know about of, you, Carl, but I'd have thought they'd have seen that coming. Yeah, I thought so too. Especially with the surveillance system. Never mind. Um, the NMLA attacks uh, today was confirmed that they'd lost 35,000 civilians and twice as many had suffered from injuries. And in Include of that, their first minister, Jenna Fairfax, has now been confirmed dead. And uh, Minister Amrita um, Ross has temporarily assumed leadership. Leadership, However, they are not giving in to the Theta group. Uh, and uh, they are asking for help from both the superpowers, both the Federation and the, uh, the Empire. And finally, uh, the news that was released on the 3rd of August, 3307, is the superpowers have responded to new onion head, that, or to the new onion head, uh, that came out with the, uh, the thing from the coup. The uh, Kumo crew, um, the Alliance Federation and 
Empire have clarified their official positions regarding the emergencies, emergence of Onion Head, which is uh, Federation, no, we're going to ban it. Empire's going to ban it. And the Alliance say, well, um, it's up to our individual systems, so if they ban it, it's banned. <laughs> well, to um, right, it should be banned. It's a cheap knockoff of the East <laughs> India Company's official products. <laughs> Says the official spokesman. Yes, I mean, we produce on Capricornasis, and, well... If you're buying the the cheap knockoff, I mean, you get what you you know you, you deserve what you get really. So so is that the um, onion head that AliExpress would sell you? Yeah, it's the fake onion head that many Amazon sellers would uh, would would sell you, <laughs> or off eBay or something. <laughs> right, it's a bit like the only N head rather than the onion. Yes. <laughs> Uh, in other news, Operation Ida, um, they are still working on Malthus Terminal and Pleiades Sector HR-W, uh, D1-41. They are still, um, they've, they've got a few items left to go, but apart from that, that's, that system is almost clear. Uh, so um, that's going to be that. Um, Commander Ventura, could you please play the play the music for the thing of the week? Score alert! In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come paint jobs for your eyes. In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come paint jobs for your eyes. A store alert, a store alert, a store alert, a store alert, a store Right. Uh, well, you've, we've got three items to actually look at today. Um, <laughs> no one expects the Manticore um, Inquisition. Um, basically, the Manticore plasma shotgun is is getting a, a couple of stylings, which seems to change colour as you walk around. There is the Plainsman Peacemaker style um, suit upgrade, which. Um, Basically, makes if you want to look like a cowboy in a spacesuit, that's that's really what you want. And of course, we've now got the Predator Type Six, which <laughs> the Type Six being a predator. Um, I was about to say the Type Six Predator pan job in orange. Rip off the blade con skin. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. Mm, yes, it it does seem a little um, little odd that one, doesn't it? You should sue them. <laughs> Interior not. To, to be fair, the predator skin has been around for a while, but I agree. You know, it's yeah. it's it's, it's no lavecon skin. It's no lavecon skin. No, no. But then again, we so might be it, biased. So is it the is it the Amazon trader? Or eBay, they've gone skin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty similar, I suppose. Uh, right, uh, I think we will take a short ad break, and we'll be back with our main discussion after the sh- after these messages. I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader. I find it really hard to meet people. I mean. 
When do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? But with venusdating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple, with so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset, browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love <laughs> shooting Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. Choose a cargo, choose a f***ing big shit. Choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers. Choose good health, low cholesterol and ship insurance. Choose fixed interest loan repayments. Choose a space station. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of f***ing colours. Choose decals, exploration and wondering where the f*** you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing f***ing junk food in your mouth. And choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. Until some f***er comes along to steal your ship, your cargo and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? service announcement from the fuel rats please stop what you're doing and pay attention if we can rescue you we will but you can help us help you by following these easy steps one fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise two note down the current system and the nearest stellar body three if you're on emergency life support log out immediately four Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. Five, stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? 
Welcome back. Um, we have a one of the reasons we've got everybody um, on today is because we want to have a discussion about the new planetary tech that is in Odyssey. Obviously, um, update six did uh, upgrade a lot of uh, the planetary artwork, but the main issue uh, that a lot of people have is that it it just doesn't seem to match the randomness of of horizons. So, um, Ben, you are in one of our favourite places in in Odyssey, aren't you? Oh, certainly, it used to be Alex's favourite place. I don't know if it still is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I'm in Alex. I'm in. I'm in Palmet. I'm over Palmet PC at the moment, and it's changed. Um, I know it's changed since Odyssey was also released, but I think I'll leave people who are wiser uh, on these ways to say things. But you know, my initial takes on it were. It used to be that you could just like show up on permission and think, hey, that looks like fun. I'll wheel around there for a bit. And I'm just like flying over and it's like, okay, there's a wide canyon and there's a wide canyon and there's mm-hmm. a short wide canyon. And one of the things that I loved about the old permesh was you would go down into the canyons and then you would enter this cloud layer, wouldn't you? And yeah. then you had maybe three kilometers of clouds before you actually hit rock bottom. And that was absolutely terrifying. And I don't know what it is now. Maybe you know, maybe the white areas of the planets are meant to have that cloud tech implemented, and it just isn't. I don't know. What um, what's the atmosphere stats? What what sort of type of atmosphere is it? Is it likely to have clouds, or is it? Let's have a look at the science. I need to come out of debug camp and yeah. crash. And not crush into the ground. That would be a benefit as well. That that would be handy if you don't crash into the ground. Yes. No, that'd be funny. Uh, Good for the stream. <laughs> Good for the stream. That is true. Okay. Rocky icy worlds typically found in cooler regions of a star system. These worlds are metal core, thick you, uh, thick rocky mantle. Um, so surface temp minus so, so minus seventy three k to minus one four two. So below freezing um very below freezing and that's really not very good is it i try to i try to mouse wheel up and down to get to the bottom and then i zoom in and out the map sorry um that's annoying um that's all how do i see the 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 okay no atmosphere yeah i should have known it's a no no atmosphere world it's from horizons yeah stupid but it still uh, had mist. <clears throat> Quite a lot yeah, of the horizons planets had mist. They in, did. In, yeah. So you um, know, is the mist go- the mist has now gone properly? The mist has gone. Uh, but the sh- I would have thought there should at least still be you know, water vapor or something like mist where the icy areas are as well. I'd have expected. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, you know, especially in the canyons where it doesn't all evaporate off. Here's, I might as well chip in on this. Here's the here's the thing that's odd about Pamesh. So when the Odyssey Planet Tech dropped, obviously with, with completely new algorithms and software for generating planet surfaces, every planet changed completely. So mountains were gone, where there were plains, there were rocky areas, you know, everything changed. So so in a sense, if you accept that, we shouldn't be surprised 
that Pamesh has changed. And actually, what is surprising is that it's similar. And I think Frontier have, and, and, and I'm intrigued about the reasons for this as well, but I think Frontier have artificially tried to make um, uh, Odyssey Pamesh be like Horizons Pamesh. So I, I, I think there was even something about it in one of the early patch notes. So I think they have injected artificial numbers into the um into the uh procedural generation for it to try and boost its canyons i suspect they've also artificially colored it differently from what the the the, the odyssey game engine would color it we saw that in the most recent change these these colors are sort of closer to reality but my sort of gut feeling and it's only a gut feeling because i don't really know how this software works is is that they're trying to force it <laughs> to be like old Pamesh, when really the Beyond tech doesn't want it to be anything like Pamesh. And I, I think they're on to a losing battle, really. Uh, I, I sort of don't know why they're doing it. There's only two really good reasons to, to try and make Pamesh be like old Pamesh. Well, well, three maybe. You know, one is that there's a dirty great um, uh, tourist beacon on it saying, look at this awesome mountain, which mm -hmm. is a bit embarrassing if there isn't an awesome mountain there. Um, two, they've got hollow ads in all the stations going visit the awesome mountains of Pamesh, which is a bit embarrassing if there aren't any awesome mountains of Pamesh. Uh, and three, they're you know they're obviously trying to appease the community who've um, you know have grown very fond of Pamesh. But to me, that's a bit of an odd one because there are thousands of discoveries that people like the the mapping the galactic mapping project have you know have mapped and catalogued and that that frontier happily threw in the bin to give us beyond you know they, they happily wipe the slate clean with every other planet so <laughs> i kind of I, I almost wish they wouldn't fight so hard to try and make keep permesh because i i think it's a losing battle what does what do others think well you see uh and this is this is the one of the, the issue that i have with with the planetary tech at the moment is that uh the horizons planets I didn't really land on. Right. So I, there was no reason to really go down there. So I haven't missed it. Yeah. I mean, on the new planets, I've got a reason to go down. I've got reason to, to scan. The reason I didn't go down on the old planets is because, well, there wasn't that much to do in them. There was basically uh scan, you, you you did missions mm. and you got rocks. <laughs> and, so you uh, went for the materials. You went to get materials. Yeah. yeah. And and basically, I, I wasn't into really searching through the, the the geography. I mean, when I did my first attempt to run it at um, at Colonia, I must admit, I did get quite bored because it did seem very samey and samey after a while. The difference on this run is because, and I, I'm going to say this with the best will in the world, I'm not landing on the old Horizon planets. I'm only landing on the brand new planets. So I've got nothing to compare them with. And, and I must admit, the new planets, the, the atmospheric planets, are so much better than I remember the, the Horizon ones to be. Yeah, they're different. They're absolutely different. Um, and in many ways, it's hard to argue that they look better. Obviously, you know, the, the lighting and the sunrises and things look beautiful. Um, 
the, the, my big issue, and I, I think Mac maybe touched on it, is the sort of the topography. If, if, if you ignore all the scatterots and you ignore the blue skies and you ignore the lighting and you just look at the, the shape and form of, of, say, a whole planet and its canyons, you know, in, in horizons that was mathematically generated. Yeah. And, and I'd have to say, I think it was a work of genius. The, the programming of that was, was, was a work of genius because there was like, I know you say it was samey, but there, there was kind of infinite variety in the landscape. Um, I don't remember ever encountering any repetition. And uh, it was pointed out to me, this is a very niche thing that I'd like to do. You know, I, I've circumnavigated four planets and, and driven over a quarter of a light second in the SRV because <laughs> to me, it's a bit like skiing or something. I like I like seeing, you know, you sort of look at the landscape ahead and maybe there's a canyon and I like thinking, well, I wonder where that will take me. And you go into the canyon and then maybe you come out and on the mount on the horizon, there'll be a peak and you think, oh, I'll head for the peak. And I was endlessly drawn onwards to see what was over the next horizon or over the next mountain. Mm-hmm. And, and funnily enough, the sameness that you describe, that's what I see in Odyssey. I, there's almost no point doing that because I know what's over the next horizon. It's more of the bloody same. It's more of the, the scatter rock texture and it's more of the sort of pseudo canyons. And, um, and, and so for me, the joy of exploring these planets is gone because there was something very organic about the horizons algorithm that I think has been lost. But on the other hand, that's a very niche activity, as was pointed out to me. And... You know, for a short visit, if somebody comes down to do it at bioscanning, they look beautiful. I, I can't deny that. Okay, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I visited Pomesh a while ago, and a, a bit like you, Colin, and unless a planet looked interesting from colour, I usually wouldn't give it any any thought at all. Um, but then again, I think it's a shame the topography of the planet has changed from something slightly bark fast would get an award for into something that he would have learned at primary school. Um, part of me thinks like the, uh, also the thing that uh, Max said about um, visit to Pomash for the terrains and stuff like that. The simple fix for that is just to remove all adverts from Pomash and just leave it as just another planet. Just take the easy way out and remove all the adverts and then it will just fade away, won't it? But yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I get what Colin's saying about the some planets look really interesting and enticing, but then again, when you fly over them, I don't know. It's just don't, they don't look. They don't look as that variety. It just looks copy paste as terrain. We well, see. This is this is the thing that I've, I've. Then your eyes must be a lot better than mine because I can't see these patterns. <laughs> I mean, I've been in. Yeah, you can. See, I have seen patterns repeated from a distance, but every time I've gone down on one of these these uh, planets, I haven't thought, "Oh, this looks familiar." Yeah, yeah, it, it is from a certain distance. You're you're right. Um, that it, it's one of those things as well that it's you should almost count yourself fortunate. I think because it's one of those things that sadly, once once you start to notice it, it's very hard to stop noticing it. Well, this is exactly it, isn't it? Once you've seen it, you can't really put it out of your mind after that. You just think yeah. that this is just the same section repeated over and over. And it starts to take away a lot of the magic, because no one would deny for a second that the Odyssey planets, especially the atmospheric ones, are beautiful. 
but yeah. it seems to be like a very superficial level of beauty because you say it's like if the sun is not at sunset when they have the beautiful sunset and it's let's say overhead or any other angle a lot of the surfaces don't look quite so amazing anymore and it is uh, mac and you know, alec just pointed out it's the topography issue as well is a massive massive deal for both explorers hooners racers and all kinds of other communities and i know alex described obviously like you know hooners and racers being like a minority thing explorers are not a minority by frontiers own um audience survey that a few years back explorers actually are the biggest single group bigger than pvp or anybody else in the game and then okay you, i admit it's probably like the fairly serious the hardcore ones uh, that group who are going to be the most sort of upset about changes i mean i don't know this is the thing with odyssey tech i don't know how much it can be changed because we obviously don't know the inner workings of this and yeah it would be a shame to lose all these horizons and planets as well it'd be okay one solution could be to keep both sets going but obviously that require more servers to do that and obviously none of us have an inside line to this but is there a solution possible for these odyssey planets maybe there is maybe there isn't i don't know but yeah, as Alex alluded to, it's uh, throwing out a lot of these sort of worlds that we found that are kind of amazing and unique. I think that's the key part. It's finding something that's truly unique. Yeah, not every Horizons planet was unique. Some of them were just, they technically were unique, but they wouldn't be spectacular in any way. But it's that sense of that, that sort of precious thing that you find like one of the thousand planets. That if, that, if Odyssey continues this way, that will be lost. And that's very sad. And that's why a lot of people, you know, are kind of quite upset by that. And it's, it is surprising that Frontier would make a decision, unless it is actually genuinely a bug, and it wasn't supposed to be that way, that the whole process came out wrong or something. But this is the thing, we don't really know, because they've not really explained in detail about this so far. But I think we'd all love to know one way or the other, you know. Could, could one of the reasons for it be if the terrain is too crevassy or bumpy or whatever it is, it would then affect the ability of players to go on foot or use the SRV in different ways. You sort of mean, maybe they smoothed it out because of the on-foot mechanic and they had to make more places reachable on foot, maybe. I don't know. Essentially, yeah. But the thing is, at the moment, I've as I said I did a recent sort of test for instancing at the new permission Odyssey, and a lot of the places aren't actually accessible by either SRV and foot anyway. So even if that was their intended aim, it's not quite worked out that way. Okay, maybe you could drop somebody vertically onto it from a ship, but there are some places that still aren't accessible. So it's yeah. But this is the thing. This is what I think one of the most frustrating elements is that Frontier has improved its comms in some areas to do with some issues. But with this one, about the topography issue, if you want to call it that, they're pretty much silent. They've mentioned like one sentence so far out of all the updates that I've seen. And yeah, it's, it is a bit frustrating. Alec? Mm, I was just going to say um, that, yeah, I, I'm, re I'm really intrigued as to, as to why they must have had a really good reason as to why Frontier threw out the old planet tank, you know, because in... Firstly, we must remember that the, the the thin atmospheric planets that Odyssey brought, we couldn't land on those before. So there was no issue about oh, how do we how do we make the Horizons planets look like this? Because they don't. The Horizons planets don't have an atmosphere, and the the Odyssey ones do. So they're new. So that wasn't an issue. And and even if you know, it, even if they wanted, 
even if they had to continue using the horizons algorithm to generate the topography of the of the thin atmospheric planets i still don't really see why they couldn't i'm trivializing it massively here but why they couldn't just put a blue sky and pretty lighting but continue to use the oddest the, the horizons algorithm to generate the topography because the cost was huge and, and frontier knows this you know the cost of of, of throwing every single planetary POI away. You know, if, if you've got a spreadsheet somewhere with your favorite canyons, I'm sorry, they've all gone. You know, they've all gone. Um, it's a complete wipe. And I think it was also very costly in terms of sort of manpower and processing and, and upheaval for Frontier 2 that they went through this co process called rebaking, where they basically had to work out where every single settlement and planetary port could sit I had to look for flat areas to to place them on. Um, I think that was a hugely intensive process. I think Dev Stott spoke about it, and I have you know had conversations with devs about you know, very short ones. I, I'm not privy to very much information on this at all, but brief conversations where I, I get the sense that doing another rebake is highly unlikely. You know, it would take a lot, I think, to make Frontier get to the point where they decide they need to do that. And what that means is, you know, for example, with the repeating terrain that people are seeing, to fix that, they would have to do a rebake because the shape of the surface would change. And then they would need to re, you know, rebake to find out. So it's, it's a big deal, I think. Um, yeah, was that what I was going to say? I think that's what I was going to say. Hi, Dan. I've got a question for Alec. Yeah, I was going to ask, so the atmospheric effects... Yeah. Am, am I right in thinking they are based on the makeup of the atmosphere? So it's not just like a blue sky because it's daylight or anything like that. It's So when they bake the planet, they have to take into account what the atmosphere type is. No, so I don't think so. I mean, the, the baking process that Dav described, I've never heard this phrase before, but it's it's really about finding flat areas to place things on. No, no so, I think so, that is what I was thinking about is because because you said, why couldn't they just put a different sky around yes. this terrain? Yeah. I'm just wondering, because from what they said at Horizons, a lot of the planetary features were based on plate tectonics and gravity and age of the planet and all good mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I'm wondering, when they applied the atmosphere mechanics to it, that's just how it turned out. A bit like changing the seed in a Minecraft map. You know, that's just what, yeah, what it yeah, comes maybe. down like. I, I think I think one thing which which somebody did point out, and, and I think Kay Ross did go into this on 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 her talk um, after Beyond launched about it. I think obviously with the old Horizons algorithm, because it is purely mathematical, it's it's it's. I think it was probably quite hard to sculpt in deliberate ways. You know, you <laughs> imagine if anyone's familiar with something like a sort of Mandel Mandelbro fractal. If, if you suddenly decide you want a slightly different shape, <laughs> you're sort of out of luck. You can't craft it. It, it produces what it produces. Um, and I, I think Kay Ross sort of alluded to the fact that it was also groundwork for the future. So, for example, if they want to have, um, this was pointed out to me on the forum last week, I forget who, I'm sorry, that if they wanted to have riverbeds or lakes or things in, you know, in a future update, that the old horizons algorithm would be incapable of they'd be incapable it'd be really hard to add those features 
whereas I think the new tech maybe allows them to add features. So, so perhaps that's the reason. Perhaps it's just the first step. Yeah, I think I think part of the reason for the um, hand-coded height maps is it also enables them in some future update to do solar system bodies, which are well known, like the moon, because you can't land on the moon at the moment because it's right. good point. It's like one of the 1.0 planets. It's just a it's just a texture on a sphere, effectively. Uh, or a cube, or however it's built. I, I think Dr. Ross had a talk about how that's built. But being able to put these, the height maps, the hand-coded height maps in means you can feasibly do things like the moon now. You can get the height, a good height map of the moon, and people won't whine. Well, it's not ex- the Apollo landing site isn't exactly like the Apollo landing site, and things like that. And people can do that spectacular Apollo 15 approach over the mountain and and all that good stuff. Um, but the the downside of it, as we all know, is there are billions of planets, but only a handful of slarty barfasts. So the, the, the thing I noticed while exploring in Odyssey wasn't so much repeating textures, are re, uh, the repeating features are really obvious on certain planets when you fire the, uh, when you fire probes at it and you get the heat map. It, that's when it really sticks out. But the other thing is, it's, the other thing I found was this weird feeling of deja vu when I went to some, when I went to some systems, because you, you'd approach the planet and you think this looks a bit familiar. You know what I mean? Uh, on on the on the on the plus side, it, I, I've noticed that. Odyssey planets, uh, for instance, we had before before the A15X started, we had some EIC stuff going on. I parked my carrier somewhere, and I realized that the planet I it was orbiting now was now recognizable, like we recognize the Earth from space. It was it was very much more less anonymous. But on the other hand, you get this there's like this Italy shaped set of mountains in in one of the height maps. It's very, you know it's got the little two bit bifurcates at the end, so it's a bit like it looks a bit like sort of vaguely Italy shaped. And I keep noticing this on different planets, like thousand light years apart. And this is what I mean about the uncomfortable sense of deja vu. On When you're on the ground, it looks really... Re- and I've been deliberately avoiding sunsets and sunrises. I've been trying to land during the midday sun to, like, get a you know um, um, a more representative idea of, you know, you know, not just going for the obvious pretty shots. And on the ground, often it, it still looks breathtaking, but it, the problem is, is once you're above, because of course on the ground as well, they, as I think Dr. Russ mentioned, there was, uh, you've got the, the big features of these hand, uh, basically handmade height maps, but you've got local procedurally generated terrain as well. So when you're actually on the ground and walking around or whatever, it, you don't get that sense of deja vu, but once you're above about two or three kilometers, then it starts to become, if you see what I mean, it starts to become more obvious. It's, yeah, so two or three kilometers up to the approach to the planet, you know, when it, when it starts getting big enough in your forward view, you can actually start recognizing features. It's, it, and that was the contrast when we went to the meetups with Horizons, is that the topography didn't have that you didn't get that weird sense of deja vu with the topography on horizons and also the the topography once you're like three thousand meters and up 
looked more convincing, if you see what I mean. But once you're on the ground and on foot, then Odyssey looked brilliant. That was my assessment, anyway. Um, so, so, Mac, uh, if I remember rightly, when Horizons first launched, the planets were even more dramatic terrain-wise. That's, that, that's right, isn't it? There was, like, some huge spire yeah, and canyons. They so, had some really weird things going on, and they had, like, they, there were some obvious bugs, like there was, a, there was a planet with a giant cube on it. I seem to remember because we tried to have yeah. a meet there. We tried to have a meet on the top of this cube, but obviously it was, it it was doing things um, that it shouldn't. With the, yeah, it was causing it, it basically caused crash to desktops so when we tried to instance they, there. So what did they do then to smooth them out? And because what my thought is, if if they could, if they could smooth the stuff out from weird horizons to normal horizons. Is there a way they could almost do the same in reverse almost? Yeah, sort of roughen it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good can question. I, I Can I jump I, in here? Um, the main thing that I see that everybody has a problem with is the fact of these repeated patterns. And the, these, now correct me if I'm wrong of, about how this technology now works, is that there is a set amount of patterns which are basically put into onto the planets which depend on the uh oh, i can't remember the exact phrase that Kay used there was seven or eight different strata or something like that where they say oh this planet is mostly uh a metal planet so that means we can use this 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 tile pattern or something to, and put that on that planet and then bake it up to look slightly different is that what the the yes, i think the word geom, yeah that that yeah. was the phrase that that they used so basically if you end up with a planet that has only got one or two geoms attached to it there isn't enough patterns in in the background for it to make it unique so you see the repeated patterns interesting is that the kind of thing does that sound right to you guys? Yeah, it could be. It could be that it just doesn't have a big enough library of, of forms to, to choose from. Yeah, it seems spectacularly limited. I mean, even if you were to like try and build a system, train system around just tiles, there's very few of them. I mean, surprisingly few. And the ones that you can sort of see, like the one called, I think, the Chinese dragon that most people probably are aware of by now, that just repeats most planets. And it's it's a bit sad, really. You really notice it. If you, as I say, when you, if, you, um, if you probe a planet and you want, want to heat maps on these things, they really stick out then. But then presumably, it's, you would need an absolute ton of different patterns to fool the mind. Yes, and I think this is where the challenge probably lies. Now, I suspect what they're probably thinking of is, because they said it was going to be, we're thinking of it, and it's going to be a, a big challenge, because this is, this is, of course, an architectural decision. It's not something they can easily, it's not something, no. you can, it's actually the very bedrock of, of the system, so it's not, it, it's going to be difficult. Uh, I suspect what they're probably thinking of, uh, and this is just a wild guess, really, 
is that perhaps we can use the hand-coded stuff where we want a particular feature. So, for instance, where a starport, you know, the, the, the baking process of putting starports. So we, we'll use this height map here because we've got a start starport here and we don't want it to be half on and half off a mountain. But, like, just once you're outside the bubble, um, you could, during the hyperspace jump, which is when, I, as, I'm, as I understand it, a lot of the procedural generation actually happens, you can sort of procedurally generate a bunch of height maps for the planet. So you, you generate the tiles on the fly, as it were. I mean, you're still, you're still using the same base system, but now instead of using the hand-coded ones, you use ones you generated on the fly. So Tweet74 in chat asked an interesting question, is why would they choose such a limited set of patterns? Is it, do they think they'd not in quotes get away with it? Do you think people wouldn't notice or well, probably, did they run out of time or something? I don't know. Probably yes. They probably think, well, we'll make a few thousand patterns. That ought to be enough. But the trouble is, is the human brain is basically optimized massively for pattern matching. And I mean, think of, for instance, the Chinese writing system, the Chinese character set. How many different glyphs do they have? And yet people still manage to learn to write this language. So tens of thousands of these patterns isn't enough. You need literally millions before people stop noticing. So given that would be impossible to put into a game, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to do it dynamically. You, you're going to have to use you'll probably use uh, pre-baked patterns where you need a pre-baked you know, where you need a specific feature. So you've got a starport somewhere and you need the terrain to be this shape, or you're doing the moon, so it has to look like the moon or whatever. But everywhere else, you're going to have to really just generate them on the fly, just just like Horizons did effectively uh, with its topography. So devil's advocate question, given that there's a thousand or one other things they need to fix, do you think this will ever get sufficient priority to be fixed in the way that people won't see the patterns or they'll get the canyons back or will they sort of say, well, actually, good enough is good enough and it looks well, all right for the majority of people. So therefore, we will just say, we've had a go. It's a bit better, but we just haven't got the resources to... Well, I'm not sure it is, because if you look at it, it's one that is one of the top five hot issues. So obviously it's getting a lot of traction, more than a lot of other issues. I mean, there's the obvious, uh, you know, things like frame rate issues and what have you. Um, but this is one, this is, they, they did actually say that it was one of the top five issues currently in the issue tracker. So I think it is getting their attention, but I'm not, I would imagine it's not going to it's not going to be a fix that we're going to see anytime soon because of the the comments they made on dev update uh, when was it about a month ago or so now saying that it's it's going to need a lot of round to it basically yeah it's it's not quite the moon on a stick but it's a lot of round to it i mean it's one of these things which I feel that if they are going to improve the the tile set, if you like, I mean, they, we had this problem with No Man's Sky because uh, after a while, uh, a lot of the planets uh, and well, not actually the planets, but a lot of the plants and a lot of the animals started to look the same because basically this was the same issue. They had 
they use procedural generation to create those animals and create those those plants, but they hadn't provided the engine with enough variety to fool the human eye. Now it took No Man's Sky two to three years to put enough information, uh, put enough variety in to make it to at least stop you noticing a lot of the stuff, even though technically it is. I mean, would people be willing to wait that long for the the planetary system to to be enhanced? Do you think the game has got that long to wait? Hmm. I was going to say, if they keep Horizons going, they might stand a chance to be able to buy that time. If they stop Horizons, and if... Because obviously the Odyssey system is going to get ported into Horizons sooner or later. If that happens, they'll run out of time and probably community patience as well, I suspect. I hate to be pessimistic, but that's probably what would happen. If they keep both systems going, they have a fighting chance, I think. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's a good point. I, th- I think as long as Horizons is around, um, then you know there's still, I don't know what percentage of the community, let's say 50, I don't know, um, percent of the community that's still inhabiting that old world with the horizons planets where you know the things like the permesh ridge challenge on just you know pick features that you like um you know uh, mount neverest where, where those things still exist once once they kind of cease to exist and odyssey becomes the absolute new truth of what the, of the planets are I, I feel like there's they'll be more reluctant to start again um at the moment you know people still talk about Odyssey being a kind of beta, and if you if you view it like that, it's, it's until until console launch and until Horizons is sort of gone, there's still a chance to say we're going to do another rebake. We've we fixed it. We've added a thousand more textures, or we found a new way of tiling the textures so that they don't. And we're gonna we're gonna hit we're gonna hit rebake for the big console launch. I guess that would be my my biggest hope. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, banging beer in the uh, in the comment, uh, sorry, in the chat has has put in a an interesting point. So it says, I think people do not understand the costs involved with a project like this. ED is a one-off payment, so the budget is very small, and they can't deliver half the things they say as they do not have the time to pay the developers to do it. They need to change their business models so they can do what they say. Um, effectively, uh, he's saying right, they've run out of money, and that's this is all we're getting possible um i think they run out of budget yeah run out of budget banging beer if i've got that wrong please tell me in the chat (laughs) um yeah so this this they've they've said they've identified have they said they've identified pathways for this or yeah they they did there was just a point i on the um the number of you know pre-formed surface shapes in their library and, and how how many is enough I, I did just have this thought i don't know if anyone's played carcassonne or any of these sort of tabletop games where you essentially build maps from tiles um but i could be wrong but i was sort of thinking when you look down at a finished carcassonne map so each tile you know have a tile that's a crossroads and a tile that's got a little corner of a, a lake and a tile that's got a, a twist a bend in the road or something and then you build up a map and at the end of the game, you end up with a, a pretty unique-looking thing. So I, I, I wonder if the solution is to not have more components, but to find a way of carving your components up into tiles that will tessellate into, I don't know. 
I think some other fixes are going to be like, um, I think, and others have mentioned this, is uh, like proximity exclusions. Like if you've got this tile, then don't use it again in this orientation or size within a certain amount of distance. Yeah, there are, there are definitely solutions. I guess I guess the, 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 that is the, the key question is, you know, is there a will and is there a budget to do it? Um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 the one thing that uh, uh, that's well, that is the big question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there are there are plenty of other people, like I was saying earlier about planetary circumnavigation being a bit of a a um, a niche thing, you know. I'm I'm sure there are plenty more people that will be listening to this program and going, "God, no! Don't waste the money on that. Spend it on ship interiors." <laughs> yeah, well, that's a fair point. I don't know. Yeah. If they said to you, sorry, quick question, private jumping in. Um, if they said to you, "We need to use this tech to enable walking on a planet with a denser atmosphere, or even, you know." vegetation planets and we, that we need to use this tech because it's the only way it works would you think it's would you think it's acceptable leading to the hours so that we get a bigger variety of atmospheres and planets to walk around on or would you want them not to bother and keep what they have it has to improve it definitely i mean i think that because of what Kay said we essentially have to accept that Ultimately, we're going to have to roll forward from Ediodicy and the current planetary tech. I don't think... It sounds like there's stuff in the current tech that the Horizon stuff just could not do, and that is needed for the future. So I think we just have to accept this is what we got. And maybe what Alex said, it was like, you know, this is what they generated. Throw out the old dishes... We have to accept this is the new. Permesh. I mean, that, that that's an argument specific to Permesh. You know, I think yeah, that's but I mean, why not? Why not for why not for everywhere? You know, if the new planets are scientifically more accurate, I'm not sure they are. Well, that that's that's a question. Um, I mean, I agree with you about the. You know, we need the the, the texture and the. The wrapping of all the different, um, all the recognisable features that all that definitely needs to be fixed. Uh, just another question for people to think about: is okay, last are, question then? Okay, are, are we letting the perfect be the enemy of the good? No, I don't think anyone thought Horizons was ever perfect. <laughs> no, <laughs> more fun, arguably. Well, yeah. I think also, that, that, sorry, that's I, very subjective, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I didn't that find the Horizons planets fun at all. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll rephrase. The, the terrains were more interesting. Yeah. I think we've got very used to them, and, and that's a big part of the problem, mm -hmm. is, is, is where we've got very used to one thing and we don't like it changing. If we had never seen Horizons planets, if we'd been presented with Odyssey planets... I think we would be absolutely overjoyed. <laughs> you know, if we, maybe maybe right, the solution well, is to just do a, a blue flashy thing, memory wipe, and make us all forget <laughs> Horizon, and then we'd all be happy. 
problem solved. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I've got the phone number for the men in black. <laughs> uh, so I'm no, afraid we can't. Just use a cricket uh. bat. <laughs> yes, and reply depletedly until you've got the uh, the result you want. Um, okay, um, I think we're going to have to um, bring this section to an end. Um, hopefully, uh, in conclusion, that to this that they can add more variety to the the present uh, planets. So, yeah, it is one of the most important parts of Elite Dangerous is the planets we go to, and uh, I guess. <laughs> it's something that we are that uh, they'll, they'll have to look at again so um, moving on to our community corner uh, we have uh, not much this week um, the a for those but for those of you who like a bit of thargoid hunting the axi have found a new way to scan for thargoids uh, it turns out that the dss scanner uh sorry, the FSS scanner, uh, has um, three sections in it which can be split off into scouts only, Thargoid main ships with scouts, and big Thargoid interceptors only. So um, there is more details in the... Uh, uh, on the Thar on the uh, AXI webpage, which we will supply a list. Uh, but apparently, it is faster to use this method than go all the way to a um, a, a nav beacon, scan the beacon, and see where all the um, uh, uh, unidentified signal sources are. So uh, yes. Uh, some tips from the AXI. We're, our mostly clueless tip this week comes from Mr. Tia Time. Uh, I hope I've pronounced that right. Uh, hang on, I thought he didn't like being called that. Isn't it the, 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 the Terry Pratchett way of pronouncing it? I thought that was different. Anyway, him. Him, yes. Uh, he says that um, you can drop out anywhere in Supercruise between stars and planets and log out and lock back in again. There is all, no need to always dock up. You just need to slow down to under 100 kilometres a second. So, there. That's, all, that's also a very good tip if you want to go AFK. Because yes. once, you drop out, once you drop out of Supercruise, you cannot be interdicted or got because you're... Whereas if you're in the super cruise, you can be interdicted or otherwise. So if you Unless need somebody AFK, dropped on your low wake, in which case you are uh, dead. Well, yeah, but you should be looking behind you for square blobs anyway. So, you know, if that happens to you, it's your own time. Yeah, but if you walk away and you're you know, making a cup of tea, you're not exactly going to be able to... How long? Right, how long does the low wake actually stay on the screen um, in the instance for? A good few minutes, I think, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I have to admit, if I'm going AFK and I'm in Super Cruise, what I'll usually do, depending on, it depends where I'm going, but I'll usually, like, point up out of the system plane and then I'll just accelerate and just let, you know, work on the assumption that I'm accelerating off and nobody's going to catch me. But then you just end up tens of thousands of light seconds away from where you're going. I just don't see the... Yeah, but if I was going to do a hyperspace jump to the next system... I don't really care, do I? I just don't see the Check check behind you. If there's no square blobs, you just drop out of the super cruiser yeah. and you Yeah. <laughs> right. Well we'll we'll leave that. Um 
Of course, I've got a sneaky suspicion that Shan will be no stalking Ben for the next time he drops out of Super Cruise, but um, that might be a, an inaccurate insinuation. Uh, it is. Uh, I'm good. I, last week, I proved how good I am, but in the fact that my carrier got you there and back without any issues at all. Really? No issues at all? No, you had to have a quick, oh, I'll just jump over to the next system and make them feel that they've been abandoned. Ha, 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 ha. My parking was up in that system. I had to move it. Yes, of course. And everything you say, Sean. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because we don't have Psychic with us tonight, those of you who are waiting for the smutty challenge... That... Oh, we, could, we could always do a round robin, Colin. So I'll start. <laughs> so what's the young no. lady from Venus? No. Colin. No. <laughs> Come on. There was a young no. lady from Venus. Uh, and I, don't I think... Don't the second line. You don't want that. I, I, I am... A rocket not... was shaped like a penis. Oh, Jesus. Come on, next. Uh, where's the mute oh, button? the PG stream. <laughs> I think we need sidekick for these, because it doesn't... <laughs> they aren't read in the in the classic sidekick way, so... No, they don't, it doesn't... I'd be very worried if I could read it like sidekick. On well, you, you can try. Try. try no. Please. Oh, this is just... No, because you need... You don't want Ben saying this kind of thing. You'll get arrested. Just taken out of context. <laughs> Right. I mean, anyway, I, mean, I can try. I mean, so what? What we got? So, there was a young lady from Venus. Oh, her rocket was oh. shaped like a penis. She got very hot. I gave her a shot. I do hope that nobody's seen us. <sighs> Any complaints to laveradio.com uh, or info at laveradio.com. We do apologise if anybody was listening in the car with their kids in the back at that appropriate moment. Is that the only <laughs> limerick you know, Ben? Because you tried to say it three times. <laughs> I think it's his favourite. Really, do you really want more? No. Right. Any other business apart from Shush The ben. one the commander called Shan. Oh, right. <laughs> you had a very uneven tan. He turned left and right. He gave us a fright. And now we've all had a kick ban. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was reasonably improvised, and that's, I, I think that's, that's worth maybe two out of ten. Well done. <laughs> the next one you have to sing. <laughs> no. Sing the bricks. Right. Any other business this, uh, I this week? Possibly so I'm going to be away for at least one week, probably, possibly two. Mm -hmm. uh, I've told you, but I'm telling everyone else as well. So it, if someone goes off and says, where's Ben next week? It's because I'm on holiday. <laughs> yes. No, I think you're, I think you're, I think you are working with Souverine on the next lot of Manscaped. Souverine and I are not doing anything to do with his baby. <laughs> No, 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 no! I think you're teaming up with him to 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 shoot a joint Manscaped episode. Man, uh, you what know is this. Manscaped? I, I'm. Do I want? To, do I want to know what this is? You don't want to know. Oh, want to know. <laughs> oh no! I, I can't believe you of all people don't know about that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, right, we don't have we don't have any question of the of the week. We've got enough. Smut and limericks to last us for two weeks, so you, those will be back next week. Um, so, got another one. Oh, okay, sorry, Colin. Yes, yeah, another, another one. 
Yes, he would, wouldn't he? But was the young but, lady from Venus uh, out of one of the meanest to one day in a sidewinder I got him behind her I can't say that the kill was my cleanest Oh that that's reasonably well done <laughs> I'd give that one 7 out of 10 uh, Right, well um, I'm afraid we'll give the shout outs uh, for everybody else at the moment so first one is our sister station Hassan Orbital Radio it broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, 8.30 uh, GMT. You can tune in at twitch.tv Hutton Orbital Truckers or if you just want the audio, go to radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC, dis- CQC Discord at discord.me slash elite dangerous CQC. Um, giving a shout out to the following Elite Dangerous podcasts which have appeared over the last year or so. Uh, so it's... Um, Algarab AM, Black Sky Legion, Canon Podcast for the Spanish speakers is the Elite Cast, the Fatherhood Podcast, Flight Assist, Guard Frequency, uh, Loose Screws, Squeaky Fuel, and System Chat. Uh, also, for those who want a, a literary discussion about sci-fi and fantasy books, please subscribe to the Data Slate Podcast created by Station Commander. Alan Stroud. Following this, we have the latest Galnet News Digest, as provided by Commander Witherspoon and Commander Beetlejude. And we'd just like to thank uh, everybody who's chipped in on the Twitch chat and the in-game... Uh, Emma, how many in-game commanders have joined you, Ben? I've been joined by Miggles and Mac. So, hello to Miggles and Mac. Thanks for keeping in company. And uh, you've been getting shot at. Have you? Yes. They're, they're being naughty boys at uh, uh, metal. We kind of shot at the NPCs and they shot back. Ah, uh, uh, well, uh. get what you deserve there. Uh, and we'd just like to say special thanks to Commander Tokuso, who created the music for the introduction of the show. So, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us at laveradio, uh, or you could join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, and you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, or any complaints about bad poetry, please send that to uh, vogonpoetry at ben <laughs> at laveradio.com. One last thing, Shan. Um, yes, if you want to tell Colin what manscaping is... No, no, you don't need to tell me. You don't need to tell me. You have to tell Ben. Have, you, have your ears plugged up with uh, with wax again? I'm, su- I'm sure Ben actually knows what manscaping is. He wouldn't be surprised if he's actually asked Mrs. Ben for a set for his wedding anniversary present. <sighs> Right. Well, on that bombshell, just I'd like to remind you that Live Radio is un- is recorded, unfortunately, live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 GMT and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live on YouTube, on Facebook uh, and on Twitch. So thanks to uh, Commander Alec Turner. Thanks to Commander Yannick uh, and thanks to Commander Mac Winston here uh, for joining us. In addition to uh, our usual contributors of uh, Ben and Shan and special thanks goes out to today's spec tech specialist Commander Ventura for for jumping in at the last minute and saving. So until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. 
Uranus is full of methane gas. I think you're right, though, Colin. What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? Gallant News Special, 3rd of August, 3307. The all-powerful Sirius Corporation. The recent allegation that the Sirius Corporation is helping to deliver the new onion head gamma strain to market is the latest in a string of accusations levelled against the company that indicate that Sirius may be out of control. In this episode, we look back at the history of the Sirius Corporation. Founded way back in the 24th century as a supplier of fuel to the superpowers in the corporate colony of Sirius, the corporation became hugely important when it developed a far better, faster and more reliable means of jumping a spaceship between star systems than anything previously imagined. This near-instantaneous means of jumping to distant stars was first put to use in Sirius's own passenger liner, the Highliner Antares, in 3251, an experimental vessel that perhaps inadvisedly took passengers on its maiden and final voyage. The ship went missing and was eventually discovered 50 years later as a cluster of wreckage components in Leuton 205-128. There were rumours that Core Dynamics had sabotaged the drive, but it appears most likely that the catastrophe was the result of insufficient power regulation in the hyperdrive. Nothing daunted, Sirius continued development, and several decades later, this new and unstable hyperdrive had evolved into the frameshift drive we all rely on for our daily business. Sirius strenuously denied that the frameshift drive was the same technology as the drive that had destroyed the Antares and to some extent this assertion was validated when it was discovered that the development of the frameshift drive had been given a massive boost when details of a reverse-engineered Thargoid hyperdrive fell into Sirius hands in the 3270s. This was clearly an act of espionage. 
It is believed that it was the shadier parts of the Alliance that did all the hard work on analysing the Thargoid technology, including conducting highly dangerous experiments using brave test pilots. But it was Sirius that benefited, and it was largely the success of this partly stolen technology that allowed Sirius to start expanding more rapidly than ever before. Sirius has long had a militia, Sirius Navy. It's said that Sirius would actively encourage independent systems to buy its products by sending a fleet of gunships to terrorise the decision-makers. But in October 3304, the best publicised of Sirius's attempts at strong-arm tactics was its attempt to coerce NGR Ramtar to release the blueprints for his painstakingly researched Guardian-Human hybrid fighters. Ramtar's base was repeatedly attacked by persons unknown, and the Sirius Corporation nobly offered to step in to protect the engineer. However, when some of the criminals were captured, it transpired that they were on the Sirius Navy payroll. Sirius was shocked at this and ordered an internal inquiry, at which it was discovered that some junior officers had been acting without authority, and they were sentenced to life imprisonment without any contact with the outside world. Despite the theft of Alliance Thargoid technology, the expansionist alliance under Prime Minister Edmund Mahan has been keen to work with Sirius. Sirius Atmospherics accompanied the alliance when it expanded into the Colsac Nebula, and it was that division's plans to terraform Ammonia Worlds that may have incited the Thargoids to strike back on the last day of 3306. More recently, in June, the newly elected Alliance Prime Minister largely failed in his attempt to expand Alliance influence by constructing new starports, only raising enough support to fund one new starport. And yet, mysteriously, not one but two new starports were built, and the second, Prosperity Corps, was mysteriously staffed by Sirius Corporation employees when it opened. It seems highly likely that the Sirius Corporation has been funding the Alliance expansion as a means to further its own influence. And in fact, Sirius has been taking much the same approach with Archon Delane's Kumo crew. When Archon Delane crashed the Galactic Summit in the Sirius system in January, Sirius Corporation Chairman Li Yongrui welcomed him in. This led to accusations that Sirius was afraid of the self-styled Pirate King. But in retrospect, it seems that Sirius might have had a business proposition in mind. When the Kumo crew sought to expand from the Pegasi sector to all parts of the bubble, and even into Colonia, it was the Sirius Corporation that acted as enabler and that established subsidiaries in the majority of the new stations. The Alliance and Archon Delane's influence may be expanding, but Sirius has been expanding with both, and now has an even greater grasp on the inhabited parts of the galaxy. The news, or rather the allegation, that Sirius is seeking to profit from the illegal trade in Onionhead Gamma Strain should come as no surprise. It may even be that Sirius has developed the drug, and the Viper crew are nothing more than a 
cover a story to explain why Arkham Delane suddenly has a high-volume, high-profit narcotic that he can sell through intermediaries in a number of anarchic industrial systems. The extremely rapid availability of the drug after it had been announced suggests a powerful, well-connected and capable backer for the project. The Sirius Corporation cares about two things, profit and influence. Where most corporations exist to serve their shareholders, the Sirius Corporation has ambitions to become the fourth superpower. It has demonstrated what appears to be altruism when it helped fund the Marlinist refugee colonies and when it made the advanced detailed surface scanner available to all. But everything it does is geared towards ratcheting up its political, military and economic position in the galaxy. We can clearly see the direction of travel. Within the next few years, Sirius will make its bid and may become the sort of corporatist superpower the Jupiter Division tried and failed to establish in the Federation. How long have we got, by the way? Just now. We're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> yeah. And that. Uh, oh, and this. But never mind. Uh, <laughs> welcome back. Um, we have a...